What does it mean to live together? On this land? In, in this, this place? place? Burnt Thicket Theatre presents We, we Treaty, Treaty People. People. Audio dramas exploring what it means to embrace all our relations. Welcome back for our conversation with the artists from last episode, Flag. My name is Yvette Nolan, and I'm the production dramaturge for We Treaty People. My name is Stephen Walchmitt. I'm the artistic director of Burnt Thicket Theatre. Part of my personal journey in recent years has been about learning to see the history of Canada from Indigenous perspectives and unlearning cultural assumptions and practices I've received in my Eurocentric heritage. Of course, this learning and unlearning are ongoing. As a company, Burnt Thicket is seeking to respond to the Truth and Reconciliation Commission's call to action number 83 to support good ways for Indigenous and non-Indigenous artists to collaborate in making theatre that contributes to reconciliation in these lands called Canada. In our live shows after Curtain Call, we encourage audiences and artists to engage with each other, with the story, and with their real lives outside the theatre. Given that these are digital performances, we hope this conversation with the artists will expand your reflection about the play. We'd like to invite you to learn more. Check out the resources and suggestions in the episode description and our website. We encourage you to talk about the play with your friends, to chat with us on Facebook or in our virtual talkbacks on Zoom. Or by leaving a response on our website. We want to hear what you think. And now, recorded on Treaty 6 territory, we bring you a conversation with the artists from FLAG. Well, I'm really glad to have all of you here and that we're in person and just so pleased with how the recording of the story went. I've got some questions that Yvette and I kind of put together and but first we'll start uh, just by introducing our, ourselves around the circle. I'm Steve but why don't we want to go this way? Okay. <laughs> uh, hi my name is Crystal Peterson. I'm playing a reading for Corey. Yeah very excited to be here at this talking round table. <laughs> I'm Roxanne Dick. I am the director of this fantastic piece. Um, I have just thoroughly enjoyed this process with the actors and, and, uh, and the company. I'm Tim Bratton. I'm recording and other things with the editing, so very happy to be here. I'm Yvette Nolan. I wrote Flag, this play that you guys just recorded. Yay! <laughs> Uh, my name is Jared Beatty, and I read for the character Andrew. Wonderful. Well, part of this process and why we're having a conversation together is because we want to invite the audiences, our listeners, to reflect on some questions about the story and about their experience of the story. Uh, so the first couple questions are, uh, what surprised you as you experienced this play, Flag? Or is there a line or an image from the play that has really stuck with you?
one one line that is definitely like stuck with me is um, it's 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 kind of almost like a softer and more revealing moment for for my character, which is that um, there's a line that that says essentially, you know, you you who have been here on this land don't feel like you're part of the nation that encompasses this land. And for me, that's like a, a really like important like tidbit of the whole kind of synopsis of the play mm-hmm. to me. And, and again, like I said, it, it's, it's interesting to me because that in a way it's like, that's the most Im- not important thing he says, but it's, it's something that does reveal despite his, maybe his defensiveness, there has been a little kernel of knowledge that, um, has stuck with him through this this process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I was gonna say that's it. There's a lot of little moments. It's hard to pick one, but even like I I am still here was like one yeah. of those lines that reflects Jared's comment. It's just because you know Indigenous people have always been here, and it's it's. One of those moments, and like even the I felt seen, which we've talked about many times too. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, you feel so like when you're you've been here a part of this land, but not visible. It's like you're this like yeah. invisible <laughs> knowledge keeper of of things from the land, and and all of those like little moments. Those were big ones for me. Thanks. Yeah. I think, um, because both of those resonate <laughs> with me as well, uh, and I agree, there's so many that we, we had the, like, the actual blessing talking about for, for this rehearsal process, which was just amazing. There's a lot of unpacking about um, assumptions and, mm-hmm. and the act of listening. We talked a lot about listening in this piece, and that Andrew relies very much on what he knows, what he's heard, what he's seen on on TV, the news, um, can use the terms TRC and reconciliation, but isn't necessarily understanding it. And it, (laughs) Jared knows this from notes every day, you know, um, we would talk about this one word that he has recurring in his, in his dialogue, which is look. It was never, I'm listening to you. It was, look, I hear, what you're, I hear what you're saying, which he doesn't. Look is a real directive word that tells you my opinion mm-hmm. is more important and negates everything you just told me. Mm-hmm. Look, look at me, hear me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that really, it, it gave us an opportunity to talk about, you know, what is learning, what is active listening, how do people truly put in steps into um, an authentic sense of reconciliation as opposed to lip service for reconciliation. And so that was an important part, I think, for, for our conversations. Lip service, I like that, because like, I've never <laughs> been in a conversation when you're like uh, someone from a, like, a diverse culture. It seems to like some, some people sometimes pull out like those, those words that make you try or that make it feel like I'm including you, but it's so sometimes so racist what they're saying. It's just like, I'm a person, like I'm a, like, yes, I'm this color, but like I'm a person foremost 
that why can't we have a conversation like pulling out words like the TRC or our reconciliation and all these like things to make you feel like you're part of the circle or the conversation. It's just, it's like, I like that feels so much worse to do than to just have an open conversation and listen is like those things. Like, yeah. yeah. Surely you must have yeah. <laughs> your favorite line. <laughs> 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 uh, it's so you know it was so astonishing to hear actors voices on it because when you write the play it's all in your head mm-hmm. and you think you know what's going on and then to to actually hear the magic of actors voices is incredible that is the, your look observation Roxanne is stunning to me because <laughs> I had, that had not occurred to me like the thing just comes out the way it comes out it is very much so much about, you know, being disappeared and being and having to reimagine ourselves into being here on this land mm-hmm. with each other. And, you know, coming to that through just this one symbol of the flag of this place that we currently agree to call Canada was really clarifying for me. Mm-hmm. Like, what does it mean? You know, because right now, as we're recording this, we are all seeing the Ukrainian flags fly by everywhere, mm-hmm. which is the same story about one group of people landing on another group of people. And mm-hmm. and so it's, it's, it's an old story that happens over and over again. I think it's also another thing that we talked about because as we were, I guess it was happening somewhat close to when we were um, working on this, was the the idea of the truck convoys and those kinds of things and how you can take a flag that means something to to someone and it might mean something very dear. It might not have the same resonance with others. We did talk, unpacked kind of our own ideas about what the flag meant to each of us. But um, then to see it kind of taken and it means an entirely different message, you realize how fragile the symbol really is. And, you know, the, the, the act of, you know, when he couldn't, when Andrew couldn't come up with the right answer, he was out of, he was, you know, he couldn't win sometimes against Corey. Well, I don't, really at any time. But, um, <laughs> but, but in answer... It, instead of words, it was raise the flag, raise the flag, you know, let's keep doing it. And there's the one that says he raises it faster um, <laughs> in the stage directions. And and uh, it was because there are no words. I just know this means something. I've been taught that this means something. It was an action that became, you know, substitute and, and, and power, right? It was a way to take some power back in his corner because she's asking really interesting questions. Um, and just the way it blows Andrew's mind that the idea of like flying something at quarter mast, well, that doesn't make any sense. You can just see Andrew's brain explode um, a little bit there in those moments. And so it really asks Canadians to unpack what are, what is, you know, what, what are our symbols and what are we hanging on to them for? Mm-hmm. Not to, and uh, you know, I'm not suggesting that, you know, flags don't have some uh, obviously resonance in countries. Of course they do. That's why they're there. And that's why, you know, athletes put them around their shoulders at the Olympics and so on. But to unpack what it could mean. And there's that moment in the monologue with Corey, where she talks about 
you know, I felt seen, but that she throws her head back in exasperation upon being bombarded with the news of bodies being found. And what brings her back to earth is seeing the flag at half mast that, and what that represents to Corey is dialogue, mm. is a conversation. And I think that if we could start somewhere there, yeah. then I think that's much more meaningful than just saying, well, this matters to me and I'm going to hang on to it as tight as I can because it's, this is what I've been taught, right? Mm -hmm. Like, what does it mean to have the courage to ask that question? It is about conversation, it like is. all of it, Absolutely. because... Because it's, you know, we use those, it's not just the symbol of the flag, it's also the words, like the reconci like reconciliation. We're mm -hmm. all making air quotes every time we <laughs> yeah. say reconciliation. <laughs> that if we just, you know, and the, and the words and the symbols, everything can be co-opted by yeah. uh, the other side. So we need to keep unpacking it. We need to keep yes. being in conversation. We need to keep discussing what we mean when we say these words, what we mean when we fly this flag, mm -hmm. which is essentially what flag is about. It's like, what do we mean when we yeah. when mm -hmm. we run the flag up or we run it at half-mast yeah. or quarter-mast? Mm -hmm. right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we definitely talked uh, quite a bit about symbolism, I guess, the symbol of the flag. What does it mean? And then through talking about that, I think we discovered how easily that you can take that symbol and subvert it or appropriate mm -hmm. it and you know as we've seen in, in recent history and I mean I'm sure there are some people across this country right now that are, are like kind of coming to, to terms with that or, or just at least hopefully thinking of, about that you know my whole life the Canadian flag has been a symbol of you know, freedom or what have you. And, and, and now we're just seeing how, like I said, how easy it is to kind of say, well, I'm going to take that. I'm going to use that for my purposes. Mm -hmm. Sometimes mm -hmm. that's at like direct opposition to mm -hmm. something else. So. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. Yes. Yeah. Thanks everybody. This is good. I don't want to shut down this part of the conversation, but I also want to ask Yvette, would you, would you be willing to share a little more about the inspiration for you as a playwright? Where, where this story came from. Yeah, for sure. And part of, you know, when I look back on what I write about, so often what I write about is, is trying to save something that I think is going to be disappeared. And so when we started talking about we treaty people and then they started discovering, discovering, I'm making air quotes again, yeah, yeah, yeah. the bodies... <laughs> And all the flags went to half-mast. When we started talking about this, they were still at half-mast. Mm -hmm. But I felt that I knew Remembrance Day was coming up. And I knew that they were going to want to raise the flags mm -hmm. so that they could lower the flags for yeah. veterans. And, and I knew that we would forget. That the people who live on this land together would forget about that period of time when the flag was at half-mast for the indigenous children who were lost. Mm -hmm. And that's why I started writing, I wrote flag, because it was like, let's capture this moment in time. And sure enough, while I was writing it, yeah. the flags went back up. But So it's a little bit of, a, of a, a snapshot of a moment in time that people can return to and listen to and remember. Because by the time this airs, people will have forgotten Mm -hmm. so much of this yeah. and that is so much of for me what we do in theater 
is capture things so that they can be remembered by people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really good. Thank you. And experienced. Yeah. I mean, the beauty of us getting it to the recording and to... Um, it makes it tangible and real. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But they're still finding bodies. Yeah. yeah. I know, like, but it's the not flags like don't go down again, do <laughs> No, they're not. Like, we, yeah. like they should be at half mass for, like, the net until they're done finding them. This is Andrew's question, right? Yeah. Like, where, yeah. where's the cutoff? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. we talked about, like, the timeline and knowing that, yes, it was, like, previous to, like, October, pre- like, to, no- like, in November. But... Like, in my brain, I had it because I'm like, they're still finding bodies. They're Mm -hmm. still going through, like, reserves, but nobody talks about it anymore. And, like, what is is the number up to now? Mm -hmm. It's it's baffling. Yeah. Because it's, like, if you did, if you look at all the TRCs and the ones that went and how many didn't make it home, like, that's the the we knew. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, now we're finding... All of the ones that were missing or went missing, this flag should be at half mast all year. In, per- in perpetuity. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I also like the idea that we were playing. <laughs> if you just seen, I love the thermometer bit. Yeah, we, we all love such the thermometer. Such a great moment. Yeah. And like, She's made it into a talk show. To, to this day, like, I, I still think like that is a brilliant idea to have like a barometer of, <laughs> yeah. you know, like you just see the national like, identity moving. and like what are bad things are happening? What are good things are happening? Where do we land in the spectrum of are we proud to be Canadians today versus yesterday? Have we improved? Are we getting worse? Mm-hmm. But it's also strange, I find, like, when the flag's at half-mast, it makes you think, okay, what happened? Mm-hmm. It makes you then go into CBC or go somewhere because something happened. Like, it's big enough that everybody then reflects on what's, like, jump, gets away from the this, like, the, the texting and the, our, our busy worlds where we wear blinders constantly. And it's like, oh, yeah, there's a big world out there. What has just happened? Like, it's... It's big and small hell at the same time. It's like, yeah. so it would be kind of cool to see, like, when the flag is, like, fluctuating, like yeah. a thermometer. Is the flag, like, like the stock market and it ebbs start, and flows? <laughs> would that make people start having more conversations or be more aware or start talking because they're seeing yeah. it move? Because when it goes back up, everybody just mm-hmm. goes back to their lives and you added some other names of, of reserves or locations where where bodies have been found, and I think one of the one one of you named Battlefords, which in the moment, like literally, when during that rehearsal, I had to go and look up online because, I mean, I'm not I've been trying to be less connected to the news feed because through COVID it's been. A little mm. bit too much fodder for anxiety, you know? And it, it caught me and was like, Battleford, I, why haven't I heard that? Why hasn't that been on the headlines? And maybe it's me because I've been focused on what I need to do and not try, you know, not paying attention. But it also made me wonder, like, like you just said, mm-hmm. do people know that, it conti- that this is continuing to be 
Well, whether it's four bodies or yeah, yeah, like two hundred and fifteen bodies or seven, like a thousand bodies, it's still important. Yeah, but the big ones are the ones that are put into the news, not the places that are finding like a small single digit numbers. Well, in Andrew's line, when you start listing those things and there's that overlap, you know. Well, first he's like, we're doing this for Kamloops, period. But then it's the one paralysis, you know, mm-hmm. and so on. And, you, and she, she has very readily lots of examples. Mm-hmm. And he finally cu- shuts her down. And, and, and. <laughs> we know it's ongoing. And the fact that then, then what that says is we're at a place where we're just going to live with it. We know we're going to hear yeah. more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we can't be doing this willy-nilly all the time, to use Andrew's words. Just to be clear, um, yeah, but the willy-nilliness of, like, in his mind, it's like, well, yes, we've now made this statement. Isn't that enough? Doesn't that prove that we care? But we know it's ongoing. It's not going to stop. But he seems to, like, he, he kind of accepts that in, in, in an interesting way. It's not that he's obviously happy about it, but to him it's part of this uncovering mm-hmm. For him, not for obviously Corey's character, but it does. It does. It really got us talking too about, you know, what what priority do we put? Because he has this line. Well, what happens if some important person dies? <laughs> like all these children aren't important. Like you know, it sort of implies then the, the measure of that, um, and also these like, well, I've got to have this ready because something's going to happen. We have to be ready for the next terrible thing that happens. Um, I thought that was quite fascinating when we were working through the script so what we are what are we willing to live with or well that's expected yeah right and being prepared for the next thing like and is that more respectful (laughs) (laughs) yeah like it's like we have to neatly package this issue put it in a box put it on a shelf somewhere where we can look at it but not really think about it too much because the next right. news cycle is going to come through. But that was the that was an interesting conversation that we had was like it like and, and I'm asking this honestly because I don't think we were asked. But it's there because we lowered the flags for a reason. When they go up, there isn't like a rule book that says when they go up or down. It's just a dis, like you can decide whenever. I'm like, how come going down? has so much meaning, but putting it back up doesn't. Yeah, I think there's probably a rule book for the thing that that they originally created it for, which is like, you know, public figures, mm-hmm. former prime ministers, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So there is probably in the rule book, like, you know, it goes down and it stays at half mass for three days. I'm just yeah. making up, but whatever yeah. the rule is. And I think... So this is actually hopeful to me, Crystal, that you raise this, because I think once they started lowering the flag for other things that yeah. were not about singular, essentially white men, mm-hmm. yes, that they were like, we should lower the flag as a sign of respect, and they did that, but because the rule book is only dealing with singular white men, there is no rule about when it yeah. goes back up, which is how we arrive at this mm-hmm. play, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah. So it's actually, in a way, that makes me hopeful to think that we are opening that symbolism in a way to mm-hmm. include more p- 
people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and as complicated as it is to raise it again, as, as far as my limited knowledge, uh, to have them down as long as they were is significant. And I, I don't know, ha, have, have they been lowered for that long before? I don't think they ever have been lowered for that long, which is why it was such an easy idea to turn into a play. Hmm. Because of that thing that... Yeah that she talks about, like, throwing her head back yeah. and seeing the flag and yeah. feeling seen. And that yeah. was me, right? Yeah. Like, that was yeah. me. Especially when it's, like, on, you know, the grocery store. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I'm like, wow, that. that's, like, yeah. those are people. Like, yeah. Like, civilians, mm-hmm. citizens mm-hmm. Yeah. who are making those choices, which is different from... The government, mm-hmm. which is like, you know, a prime minister dies and therefore the the, the flag goes down. Okay. Yeah. And even the sales of the orange t-shirts probably went up that day, too. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. people are paying attention and wanting to, like, reflect on mm-hmm. every child matters. Because there's yeah. the one day that we have. But now it's like, no, with every child matters. I remember seeing, because it was, I think it was... Not shortly after that, but on at Vic, uh, Victoria School here, if you saw on their fence, they put little handprints, orange handprints all along the fence. I think they're still mm-hmm. up. They were there most of the year, but it was just kind of a really nice thing to see that like people it, and people are were talking again. It's like I think that's the biggest takeaway is like we need to start conversations, like you were saying. Here's a question that's from a little different direction, but we want to ask, how are you connected to this land and to the communities around you? How am I connected to my land? I guess just in so many different ways. I mean, I grew up in the country, so city living's actually, like urban living has actually been an adjustment I've made over my adult life. I feel the land around me has always been incredibly sacred and special. I guess my my Métis roots take me to the St. Albert area. Uh, That's where my ancestors are from. And certainly where... um, where I feel a connection to many relatives and to that part of the story, which did include lots of Catholic influence on my family that was very negative, um, very difficult. But yeah, for me, communities are now how I think of living in groups, not necessarily always being in the country, but that sense of carving out that space and that sense of community is I'm very grateful that it's varied with many different people, with many different ancestries and backgrounds. But I think we'd also insulate ourselves a little in the sense that our communities are so often very like-minded people. And that, like, whoever you are, um, whatever your beliefs are. And so I've been really thinking a lot about that. Because how do you get, if you just talk to your, your own group of people, your own, you can call it community or your circles or your friendships or like-minded people. How do you have 
dialogue. How do you actually open that up in a meaningful way? Because what I've seen in the last couple of years, and I think most people would agree, is a sense of divisiveness that's even more alive with people being bolder to draw uh, distinctions instead of connections. So I don't know where we are right now with community. And, and if that means conversations, how we can come together without that, that um, conflict right out of the gate, which I feel is where many people start right now. It was like I said um, in one of the meetings that, you know, I gave the land acknowledgement from stage and heard grumbling in the audience. It was a particular, I won't say which artist or whatever, because the artist was lovely. Um, but that particular crowd felt like that they, they didn't want to hear it. And so how do you come to a place where you can, with of respect in our communities, um, in conversation and dialogue, as I said, I just, I feel that we're lacking in that. We've taken, I, I truly feel we've taken in some ways, many strides forward and steps back in how we connect to people. Uh, and perhaps that is healed and resolved through connection to land and place and people, but I'm not sure. I don't have that answer. I thought I did a number of years ago, but this last couple of years has made me really take pause. Mm -hmm. Because I am deracinated, <clears throat> my relationship to land is quite broad. Like I was born here in Saskatchewan, Prince Albert, because my dad was teaching at the penitentiary. And, but my mom, is Algonquin from Quebec, but she had never got home again because residential school, residential school, mm -hmm. sanatorium, urban living, right? So I'm not connected to that land at all, but we moved to Winnipeg and I grew up in Winnipeg. And then I moved to the Yukon where it felt like that was home. And then I moved to Nova Scotia and then I moved to Toronto. So I've lived all over the place. <laughs> And in order to be connected, I have developed a connection to the land on which I stand at any given moment. So I mm. feel very much like I am connected to this land, Turtle yes. Island, in a way, because, my, because I'm not connected to where my community is placed. And that's not even a natural placement, right? Like we were, yeah. we were squished mm -hmm. onto like properties that was not the way we lived anyway. So... Over my life, I have developed that connection to all of the land of this country mm -hmm. and a responsibility in every place that I am to the land. And I guess that's for me what it is. Like my connection to land is about my responsibility to the land on which I stand at any given moment. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really like that, actually. Mm -hmm. Because I'm, I'm also someone who I feel like I'm, I'm not... Um, connected to to land in a you know um strong or or spiritual way um but I, I have been born and raised on the canadian prairies my entire life and and so i i do feel that over the course of my life i have learned um some simple appreciation for just what what we have here and you know there's a line in this play that says 
you know, this land is not perfect, but at the same time, it does afford us like this, this freedom to, to speak out openly about our wounds and our scars. So yeah, I'm, I'm very actually glad to just kind of hear that perspective from you. And on, I guess like on a very superficial level, like what I do just love about where we live is kind of those things that we often get like uh, made fun of for on the parades, which is like nothing but land as far as you can see. And I, but I, I do, like, I love that. There's something that's like, there's a humility, a humility in, in seeing that and realizing for me, like a part of my connection to land is realizing I myself as a single organism, I'm insignificant to this land. This land serves me in so many ways. And, and as you say, if I can have, find some small way to like, uh, to serve it, to take some responsibility for it, then that would be, I guess, what I would be striving for at, at this time in my life. Mm-hmm. I guess for me, I've always, like my <laughs> favorite place, just going, like being on the land out of the city. And I, I've, I've struggled because I'm adopted, so, and I've spent a, a good chunk of my adult life trying to find kind of where I belong. I know half of my family, but not the other half. So I'm, I'm from Buffalo Narrows, but from here, but the north. So, and I always find like the cities sometimes are so claustrophobic. It's like my favorite part is just getting out. Like when I'm needing to just focus is getting out into the land. Like I've been to, I feel like I've been in New York or like Vancouver and Toronto and I find those places so suffocating because you're surrounded by just like, buildings and everything's covered I love I love how like and I know it's always a joke about how much space we have but it's beautiful how much like that openness and then you don't feel like you're being like bombarded by things if you can just get out and be inside out in the space I'm someone who just loves space and my own space and everything so I find that's where I'm most connected is when I'm focused in around uh, like where I am in in the moment, but also getting out of where I am in the moment to experience something else and let something else kind of flood in. So I've always kind of been, I like to be where I am, but I also like to surround myself with people that, that positivity, like good, or else just being kind of by myself within the connections. Cause I'm like, there's no space for, not like 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 minded people, but that negativity to enter in. It's just I've been finding just in my own finding trying to figure out how to connect. It's just it's so much easier to just be in the space and just even alone if no one can um, fill it with what I need in the moment. Which I find a lot the land here in the space of the prairies like. Even going for a drive, I know you're in a car, but it's like <laughs> the space, how much space we have, you could watch things forever and the sunsets and the sky. It's, there's so much that uh, I love about all of that space. And it fills me up. I don't want to put words in your, in your mouth at all, but like it sounds to me what you're saying is like your connection to the land is almost based on your ability to disconnect from like the anxieties of 
mm-hmm. life and, and yeah. people and that kind of thing. And I, I think that definitely resonates for me. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Just having th- that there's something out there bigger than what's going on. Right. Like if there's this much... That's like the perfect way to put it. It's like, because anxiety I find is so claustrophobic. All the buildings, everything gets small. And like, because there's so many other uh, more amazing things. If you can just see, like our land here is just always so beautiful. The medicines and the river and like all the things. There's so much beauty in the space that some people don't like. (laughs) It's like, it's so amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and I, I like what you said about humility because there's, um, I don't know, I, I I grew up in different cities. I grew up in part five years <coughs> in Indonesia. Didn't necessarily feel any connection to places where I necessarily grew up. But um, coming to kind of visit the Canadian prairies and and eventually become adopted into my in-laws family who've grown up on a farm um, a few minutes outside of Masquachis in Alberta I think some part of me was like oh I belong here and I and I feel this sense of mm-hmm. connection there but but there's also like the fascination of the Rocky Mountains and, and which I didn't grow up with and so like seeing them it's like there's this spectacular quality to them whereas the land here in, in Saskatchewan is there's the the beauty is like you need to look for it and and or look up at the sky for it and there's a there's an invitation rather than a shouting at at, at mm. you. I have really come to love the prairie and and see it as and, and the prairie here and the the river valley um, mm-hmm. and I've I've lived here longer on the banks of. Not quite on the banks, but nearby the, the river. That's where I want to go. I always want to go to the river and walk along the river. But lived here longer than anywhere else. So a follow-up question about your, this connection to land and, and to the communities around you. How could you grow to be more connected? Well, Crystal, when she was talking about this <laughs> all of us texting all on our machines our phones, yeah. all the time that's a way to be more connected is to put that thing down yeah once in a while mm-hmm. and to get information from other sources rather than this yeah. which is other human beings right or the land or conversation or 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 like there's so many other things i think we've become really dependent on the internet and that way madness lies because the power is <laughs> going to go out <laughs> and nothing will work and we'll need to know things that we haven't that we can't access on Kokum Google. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's going to say it like look up. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. We need to get yeah. out and just see things. Uh, from all perspectives, I just sometimes feel like there's just such uh, blinders on or so stuck inside just this, like, like whatever's within your phone view or a TV and that kind of thing. And it's just trying to, yeah, put it away and go, <laughs> put it away and go outside. <laughs> like, it's like all those things, I think, would help for myself just be more connected. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the greatest act of self-care is to... 
Um, I think we've become so used to doing that, like the the connectivity uh, to technology and entertainment, things that, you know, uh, the noise gets loud in our heads. <laughs> um, and so I think, you know, we have to retrain ourselves sometimes. It's go outside, as you say. I live um, at the Honour and, and I, I don't take it for granted a single day, but I live on the, um, right on the North Saskatchewan. Our house overlooks it. And um, I think one of my favorite things is just watching it as it, through the seasons and that sense of it, the movement, like when that ice breaks and it's it's powerful and it and that water out I won't see that water again. That's gone, uh -huh. right? It's there's just a, a wash, a movement, a current, and it's beautiful and incredible. And it to me it is a very spiritual moment when that ice breaks. Like I just that's there's an excitement around that. Um, but also it's just such a powerful metaphor us to live and then you know watching it freeze and rest and you know you can learn so much and um, from that uh, so water is something that connects me and then I think oh that water is gonna you know it's gonna reach other people I know or people I don't know <laughs> it's gonna be there soon you know um, and there is something about that uh, that uh, the reason that that waterways connect communities as well but I think Movement, in all ways, is what's what does connect us, and uh, and that means movement of the mind, movement of the spirit, movement of the of the um, conversation. Like that has to happen, and so I think if we can take a lesson from the land and nature, that we can actually do that. The land is so smart, though. I like I watched a video of a bear waking up from hibernation, and I was like, <gasps> could you imagine? But like how because. In winter, and that's something that the prairies gets to experience is like, the land itself rests mm -hmm. when snow falls, and they, it rests. And now it's like we're entering spring, where it's it, it's a time for regrowth and re, mm -hmm. like you're just shedding. And like, could you imagine if we as humans just took a like a moment to just rest and then reinvigorate ourselves mm -hmm. every year? Like, how much better would things be? Like to just get out of the busy and just like learn from because the earth does it every year like they don't it's like so smart in all of the ways that it and animals do it and the water does it like mm -hmm. i was had i had a conversation with my friend about that too because i was like it's kind of neat how like because she's in new orleans but like there's no snow there but they're entering into spring so things do sleep but it's different here how the snow like completely covers things, lets it rest, and then melts away to like reinvigorate and restart something brand new, mm -hmm. which is really neat. Yeah, I would just kind of uh, jump off on a similar point about like moving, moving water. Uh, I've been privileged enough that everywhere I've lived in this city for the last... 15, 20 odd years has been mere steps, like two or three minutes walk from the mm -hmm. river. And that's, you know, I've, I've lived seven or eight locations and that's just something that's always kind of been central to, to each of those locations is that I can look out my window or take a short brief stroll and it's, and it's right there. Another thing that I'm kind of just like realizing that I love about land, that, that big word is, 
I don't I don't have much um, by way of what I would call ritual or, or spiritual ritual in my life, <laughs> but every place I've ever traveled, Canada, the States, Europe, there's always it's really important to me to find a moment to just find a patch of grass. Mm. You know, somewhere to, to put your feet in, in water. And I, I love those moments in a, in a, you know, even a bustling metropolis you've never been in. And, and you turn a corner and there's trees and grass and to just sit and be quiet <laughs> and, and just appreciate that, that's, that simplicity. That's, that's always been something I've, I've sought out uh, quite often. Mm-hmm. I remember calling my mom once and she I was said, I was so frustrated and mad and I, no recollection what I was, see, that's the thing, no recollection what I was frustrated about. But her answer to me was, sounds like you need to go outside and put your bare feet in the grass. And I thought, <laughs> what a good answer. Right. I've kind of hung on to that all these years. There's actually a scientific, it's called grounding. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like you can buy mats now. <laughs> I'm getting all I'm tangenting, but I was like how like our feet on Earth as a way of like mm-hmm. rooting and grounding yourself, and the energy you get from the Earth helps heal your body. Mm. So it's like it's fine again. We go back to like the land is just so helpful in so many ways that we can't we don't think about. One more question, and we can we can circle back to any of the other questions, but I wanted to ask you, how has telling this story affected the ways you see other people or what the phrase, all my relations, means to you? For me, I'm just this, I, I, um, I am somebody that has experienced racism since I was like in grade one. <laughs> so it's like, it's in every, it's so all the time in my world and I see it, but it's like, it's really good and important to tell those stories about seeing and accepting people for who they are. So I mean, I, I appreciate that we're t- like telling these stories and to kind of, we're all people living together. Doesn't matter our, where, like what color our skin is, we're all human beings and um, we need to see each other as people first, not by the color of, of a skin and making assumptions on who somebody is by what they look like. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I would hope that for me that this, this process has just, again, kind of like reinforced, similar to what you're saying, like there, there are so many um, life experiences that, you know, everyone has there's the expression, you know, everyone's fighting their own battle or what have you. So whenever I work on a project of this nature, it it usually is just like a a helpful and gentle reminder of that for me to just exercise patience with everything and, and everyone and use your eyes and your ears more than your mouth. Mm. Um, and, and just, as you say, like, accept people for who they are and not where they fit in a category. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's what I mostly reflect on when it, with, with something like this is just, you know, I, I know that I know there are people of, of all sorts in this world, but I also know that I don't know anything about what it's like to live their life. 
I barely know what it's like to live my own, to be honest with you. <laughs> but, uh, but no, it's, it's like, it's just important for me to, I guess, like, I guess there's that, that the term, like, to decenter yourself in a way and just allow, you know, this, this group, this community to kind of seep in mm. and, and take that away, you know, like, Tomorrow, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be a different person because I sat here talking with you, but I'll have learned something. Mm-hmm. And maybe the next day and the day after that, it will adjust my ability to understand people and to support them in whatever way. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I really like that idea of cumulative growth, right? Like, um, I think this piece actually made me hopeful because it's... It's these two complete strangers that are very different from one another. And while it gets, you know, it, like the, the temperature sort of rises in the conversation from time to time throughout the piece, it's hopeful in the sense that at the very end, there is listening. Andrew doesn't end the piece. You know, it's definitely the voices, Corey's. Yes, her experience is something that Andrew, the character Andrew's, you know, really can't understand. But I feel like we were talking, we were joking, you know, what if there was a part two to this? Like, what, what, what would they be doing? <laughs> um, because I feel like it will change Andrew in in some way. And maybe that's not all at once and radical. We can't look for, always for that as to, to measure success in, in how we have conversations. Sometimes it has, you have to go away and reflect. You have to go away and think And someone like Corey can change someone like Andrew's life just by stopping and having that conversation about something so integral to, you know, that that powerful national symbol. So I think that's what I take away from this. And and the act of listening, like I said before, like the power of that. We all need to be a little bit like Corey. (laughs) (laughs) Or a lot like Corey. Yeah. I think about Tom King, Thomas King's uh, Massey Lectures, uh, The Truth About Stories, and every lecture, every chapter in the book, he tells a story, and then at the end of the, sto- at the, end of the chapter, the lecturer, he says, don't say that you would have lived your life differently if you'd known this story. You know it now. Mm-hmm. And that's what it feels like to me doing this kind of work, doing, telling these kinds of stories. So, yeah, Corey can change. Andrew, the chapter two is like, Andrew comes to work one day and Corey's sitting there with two coffees waiting for him <laughs> to put the flag up. And it's like, oh, we're going to continue this, are we? Because it has to be, right? It yeah. has to be an ongoing conversation. Yes. Yeah. And we yes. have to be generous in our teaching. Mm-hmm. And... The other side has to be generous in the listening. Yeah. And that's what makes, oh, my relations true. Mm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or, or, or even better, you know, Andrew has two coffees and it's another white settler friend. And he says, you know what? Something happened to me yesterday. Yeah. And it, I, I don't really know about this quite yet, but I, I learned a, an important thing or two. And we have a series of podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. 
generous teaching, generous listening. Mm -hmm. yeah. Any other last thoughts? Anybody likes, would like to share? Um, I don't. I don't want to belabor this point, but I, I do think that it like it, it bears mentioning. Like I, I really appreciate that the way that this character was written, and we've talked about this like a little bit as well. In that he wasn't just like a cut and dry. Here's the bad guy. He says a bunch of mean <laughs> stuff, and and therefore we can look at him and, and shake our finger and go, "You son of a gun! You should know better than that." But there there really is like an, an effort to make him a, uh, you know, a more complex person in that. You know, he has made an effort to to learn something, and 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 maybe that uh, that comprehension has not gone all the way. You know, like much like the country, we're not perfect, but maybe we're a little bit better than we were yesterday. So, yeah, sometimes you get like cast in a role, and you look at it, and you go, "Oh no!" <laughs> <You know? laughs> really, I gotta I gotta say that. <laughs> okay. Um, but no, I, I do think like that's 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 true in that it's it's not a look at how good this person is versus how bad this person is. It's like look what happens when we put them together and and their orbits kind mm -hmm. of rub and they and they go ah there is something to learn from each other. You know, hopefully both ways. But I I certainly appreciate that as as an actor as as a white man to to see that. You know, yes, of course, we can put in effort, we can do better, but it's not a, I read the TRC and now I'm good, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's that was just really nice to see. Yeah. yeah. It's being open to have a brave conversation yeah. without mm -hmm. getting offended, mm -hmm. which is what this is so brilliantly, because Corey challenges Andrew many times. Yes. But Andrew never... Like, he could totally just slam the book in her face and walk away. Like, but he stays there. I think that's the biggest for me. Being willing to have brave conversations and not get offended. Yeah. Yeah, that generosity or that with, withholding yeah. and waiting and not jumping to, oh, you fit this category or that yeah. place. and. Seeing one another. I mean, yeah. Th there's, yeah. Because that's part of the the learning, and the uh, and the listening. Like wanting to learn is one thing, but then having the conversation, you might not totally enjoy what you hear, but that's part of that's how we learn and get better. And that goes for everybody. Any kind of conversation. We Treaty People is a production of Burnt Thicket Theatre. Support our work with a donation and learn more about the artists at burntthicket.com. And check out our website or the episode description for links to other great learning resources. Special thanks go to the Canada Council for making this project possible. And to our season sponsors, Shercom Industries and SK Arts. This work was gratefully created on Treaty 6 territory and on the homeland of the Métis. Join us next time for another audio drama episode of We Treaty People.